afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are broadcasting from Commodity Classic that is taking place in Houston, Texas. Lots of things happening in the markets today. And we're going to take a look starting out, you know, kind of the movement within this grain complex. Of course, we were looking at some higher corn numbers as we recorded this. And, and obviously, bean numbers have taken a dive. We had some uh, quality numbers come out when it came to where we saw this weed at. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more today as Sue Martin joins us. Sue is with Ag and Investment in Clarion, Iowa. Kind of give us your takeaway. Some lower beans happening on this Tuesday trade. Well, I think we have to realize the bean market is uh, sitting in a spot here where we are um, It's trying to fish for a low, so to speak. Uh, Corn, I think, is trying to stick the low, but beans are trying to fish for it. And uh, we had China buying between five and seven cargoes yesterday out of Brazil. And uh, there is uh, talk that there's about three cargoes of beans headed to uh, the East Coast from Brazil to the U.S. And so that has kind of kept a little bit of a lid on this bean market. But Susan... The funds are heavy short, 161,000 contracts in beans, and uh, they went record short. They made a whole new record short for the corn, exceeding the April 23rd, 2019's uh, size of short positions, and did so by quite a bit. So the markets are overdone, and you have that John Deere low, so to speak, and which comes right as you go towards March 1st. You also have elevators and end users uh, like um, ethanol plants, processors that have uh, contracts out. Farmers have these basis contracts that are coming due here at the end of this month, along with the fact that they also have what they call a uh, price and price later contracts. And so they're being hit with this. And farmers, unfortunately, when they get these contracts, they become complacent. And the market, we all know, has been absolutely in a nosedive. And so the emotion by Monday was pretty raw. And uh, producers were getting rid of those contracts, letting corn go to get ready to pay their bills. And so the market has dealt with this emotion but we're adding caution on becoming too negative in fact if anything we would suggest end users get out there get your corn bought your meal bought uh buy so into may june july we also note that markets tend technically to move in equal legs if you look at soybeans 1784 was your high in 2022 you broke the 1270 and three quarters that's five dollars and 13 cents five dollars 13 cents and a quarter but we'll kick that fraction out so you're looking at 500 or five dollars and 13 cent break from there we rallied back to 16 16 and a half into last july's high and of course, a five dollar and thirteen cent break from that will take you down to eleven oh three. Now the market doesn't have to go exactly to that, but it can go to it if it wishes. It could stop before it gets there, or it could go just a hair below, like say to a ten ninety nine and three quarters, something like that. But what I'm saying is, you're now within, gosh, I'd have to say twenty eight cents of that spot. And that's saying now's not the time to sell this market short. Now's not the time to become bearish. It's the time to start becoming enthused about buying back to the market. 
if you've sold a lot of grain and you did it way too cheap, you should probably be thinking about re-ownership because we're in an election year. And if you go back, I went back to 1968. Every election year, the market had a rally. And now, granted, never say never in this business, but you could have, um, this would be the first year if you didn't have a rally, but those rallies tended to come off of a low either in February, um, many of them were in February, and of course would peak in May, June, or July. There were a couple of them, I think 1976 and maybe 1980, that put their lows in right in the first few days of April. And we do have timing here, April 1st and 2nd, as a cycle window, which I'll tell in advance. But those are major cycles uh, for timing. They're volatility cycles. I think producers have something to finally look forward to. So I want to ask, um, and since we're talking about uh, the grains on this side of the, of the commercial break, is there truth to the rumors about China making some Ukraine corn purchases? Yes, they are. Um, but that's not uncommon for China to do. I'm trying to think how many years back. It's probably been at least 10 years ago that China worked a deal with Ukraine where they helped fund them to be able to get on their feet and look a little better and get, you know, some improvements going. And in payment, they were going to be taking corn from the country. And Ukraine is the world's fourth largest exporter of corn. So, you know, that's not out of line at all that China's doing so. And it's interesting because China, you know, had bought some corn from us. Of course, they recently just bought some sorghum. So, yes, those rumors are true. But what's interesting is, is the price of corn in China at 867 a bushel. And that was down a little bit overnight, not much, maybe three, four cents. But uh, that tells you something about uh, either their supplies are tight because they said they had a good crop this year. Well, then they must be looking at very tight supplies because the hog herd is in decline. And, of course, looking at the fact that as, as we move forward, I mean, they're still looking at, at Brazil and their harvest coming around the corner. We're going to have to talk more about that when we get ready for the second half. Stick around, folks. More is coming up. Of course, we are broadcasting from Commodity Classic, which is getting underway here in Houston, Texas, to run through Saturday. Lots of things happening here. Lots of grain and market talk, of course, you know, will also be taking place. When we get ready to come back, we'll talk about what's going on still with the fact that China hasn't been buying from the U.S. We'll take a look at other factors moving these grain, including the latest crop update coming for the uh, crops on the wheat side of it and a lot more. It's a channel final bell on the rural radio. A best of both worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the, the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Our conversation does continue with Sue Martin with Ag and Investment in Clarion, Iowa. And I know, Sue, I'm, I'm sure here at Commodity Classic, we're going to start to hear a lot of folks talk about exports and, and the lack thereof that we've seen this year with our, with our crop that's now sitting in the bins in so many locations. But what is it going to take to entice China to come back? Is it still tied to too much politics or is it just the fact that we're just too expensive at this point? 
Well, I think part of it is we're just a little bit more expensive and not competitive. And, you know, we have to realize that Brazil's in harvest right now. So when they're in harvest, naturally, you know, I think China looks at the U.S. as a consistent exporter or consistent shipper. And they also look at us as a good producer. So if they can go around the rest of the world and clean cupboards or whatever, they're going to do that first. And then if they run into a bind, they'll come to the U.S., especially when we have politics playing such a hand. And I suspect President Xi wants to have a good foothold with that economy and before elections come around, because I think he's fearing that if, well, he knows if former President Trump gets into office, he's probably thinking they're going to deal with the same thing all over again on these export bans or tariffs, what have you. And I think he's going to be trying to be pretty ready before that ever comes about, if, if that were to occur. All right. Did you see any surprises? I know that uh, they released some weak quality uh, numbers yesterday from NAS. I know we're not officially into the throes of getting crop updates, but did you see any surprises in those wheat? And did the wheat even react to it? It's stronger, but I think wheat is responding to the weather. Uh, right now in the U.S. and the States, you have the weather kind of concerning. It's vacillating a lot and wheat is out of dormancy which we're not surprised with this kind of warm weather we've been having. We would come out of dormancy a little earlier. But also the temperatures being in the 90s in uh, Texas and Oklahoma and having winds 70, 75 mile an hour, that's concerning that it might be blowing out some wheat. And I think these crop condition ratings that were looking so good might start to see a little deterioration. And I think that's helping prop up wheat along with the fact that we've also had the funds starting to kind of work their way quietly out of the market. All right, let's switch gears and uh, take over what we're seeing on the livestock side. Obviously, some lower numbers happening within this cattle complex. Some say that they're just kind of waiting to show some sort of interest when it comes to, to cash at this point. What are you hearing, Sue? Well, I think so. You know, we had a good cash market last week and we didn't have any trade on Monday. But I think the Packers, you know, the product is the cutouts doing well. And, of course, that's probably because the Packer is cutting his kills and trying to manage the tighter numbers. But also, in the meantime, prop up his supply. All right. We're looking at um, uh, movement as well. We talked about this uh, yesterday's program. and I wanted to get your spin on it as well because of the way we've seen these grains trade. What is the what is the recommendations? What are the thoughts for our for our cattle producers, just livestock producers in general? as they watch the the ebbs and flows of this grain complex and knowing that they've got to get some stuff locked in for spring and summer? Well, I think first off, I would be booking their feed needs ahead and I'd be doing it for right on May through June, possibly even July, at least the first half of July. And then as far as the livestock goes, feeders especially, I'd be looking at booking some of those too, getting some puts under them, if nothing else. These are fabulous prices. It seems like prices can still go higher. But I have to say, we have indicators, three of them that we put together, that are proprietary but are very stable, very good indicators. And I tell you what, on a longer-term basis, 
it wouldn't take much to turn all of them, all three negative. Actually, two are negative, and the third one has not turned yet. So we're saying get some puts under this. We think April is going to be a good time, especially the last half of April. But March could still see some downturn yet. All right. What are you looking at um, overall, grain and livestock? What's going to be your takeaway for the rest of this week? What should we be focusing on, Sue? I think producers ought to be focusing on replacing sales that they've made, especially if they were horribly disappointing sales. If you made some decent sales, pat yourself on the back and let it go. But if you haven't, I would be saying, or you still have a chunk of corn in the bins I, or beans, I'd be saying to you much more about uh, any down days in here. I'd be getting yourself some option strategies, and I'd go at the market or at the money because, quite honestly, your premiums right now are so reasonable compared to what it costs to even own a futures contract. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Our number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great time at the Commodity Classic. I wish I was there. We wish you were here, too. Sue Martin's been joining us today. Like she mentioned, Commodity Classic is underway through Saturday. Just a quick reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell, brought to you by Channel Seed and the Channel Professional on the World Radio Network.